before we actually start this episode, we just want to give you a little bit of a heads up. Uh-huh. This episode is, um, we got very excited. We very, did. Not excited. Excited <laughs> is the wrong word. We got very into it. Yeah, we got very yeah. into it. Um, and it's important conversations to have, but it's a little bit long. So yeah. you might want to break your listening up or listen to it on a road trip or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you might want to break your listening up into a couple different parts. Yeah. Um, because we want you to hear it. We want you to do the contrast to the Gospels. Yeah. And we want the you... flip-flopping. Yeah. And we yeah. want you, if possible, to sit with your Bible and flip-flop yeah. with us. But not if you're the driver and you're on a no. road trip. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, or if you're maybe maybe not on a treadmill. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we want you to be able to do that. And... Mm-hmm. So just take your time with this episode. It is heavy where I'll tell you, we're talking everywhere from the garden of Gethsemane all the way to my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is a lot and it's heavy. So we just want you to, um, to know that before you dive in. Mm -hmm. 100%. All right, let's go. Hello. Hello, Courtney. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's Easter soon, and I'm really excited. I love Easter. Me too. Easter's fun. So last week we talked about how Jesus like predicted mm-hmm. his death and, and stuff and uh, touched a little bit on the Passover dinner, the Last Supper, um, and how he was trying to tell Judas that like, yeah. like or tell the disciples that somebody was going to betray him. Mm-hmm. And we talked about like, Whoever dips their morsel of bread uh, right after me is going to betray me. And then Judas did. (laughs) Yep. That's right. um, And and how he said, like, Peter, you're going to betray me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's like, I will never, never do that. Yep. Um, And so today we're just going to find out a little bit more how that all unfolds. It's important to note that... All of the Gospels mm-hmm. go really deep into recording these next few chapters. These it next few parts. And so, again, because more than one Gospel goes into it, it means we have to pay attention. Right. Um, and pay attention to each Gospel. Mm-hmm. Because they're each coming at it. The same goal, yeah. but different angles. Yeah, right? exactly. So I was... Um, I was at a baseball game on Sunday. I went to the Blue Jays game. And I was up in, like, section 524. Like, wait. Oh, my goodness. That's so high. And there were there were moments where I was like, oh, well, that's a strike. And then it was actually a ball. Or, like, yeah. oh, a, oh, that was a strike, but it was actually a foul. Mm-hmm. Um, but people in the 100 section right behind the plate would see it. Exactly. As it, as it is, right? Yeah. And the umpire right there would see it as it is. Mm-hmm. The, the batter would know. Yeah. Right? Um, and so it's a lot, it's easier for me up in the 500 section yeah. to judge a missed call yeah. without actually knowing what's happening. Exactly. So I, I was actually thinking about all of this while I was at the game and just thinking yeah. about that like same goal but different points of view yeah which um, totally makes sense like yeah. and yeah. so for some of these disciples they weren't that we know of like we talked about this last week they weren't necessarily present when this was all happening yeah but they are recording the stories that they are being told by yeah. people who generally were there firsthand exactly um, and so for some of these disciples, they are the umpire. Yeah. For some of these disciples, they're in the 100 or the 500 section. Yeah. For some of these disciples, they're the batter and they actually made contact with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's just important to remember that like every, every part of it is important, mm-hmm. but they all come from different perspectives. Yeah, it's true. Right after the the dinner, they go into 
the Garden of Gethsemane. So we're going to look, starting at Matthew 26. Okay. My ribbon was in John, because that's the last oh. one I picked up. Um, yeah, 26, uh, verse 36. Okay. So it says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. <laughs> Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, So you couldn't stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. There's so much in that that I, I don't know. know where to start. I get emotional when mm -hmm. I read it. Yeah. Now, as a, up, probably up until I was early 20s, yeah. I had heard it so much that, uh, unfortunately, yeah. it almost didn't phase me. Which I think, to some extent... It, we get that with a lot of the stories we hear yeah. all the time growing up. Yeah, I think so too. Um, um, that for some reason, it's not until something clicks within us that we go, hang on, I want to dig a little deeper. Or yeah. I want to understand. And it's, so it's interesting. Yeah. Because I had, I've had similar things. That it wasn't until I was yeah. probably an adult that it really... Click. exactly exactly like i always think about the thursday night um yeah. here uh in, in the easter week because that that's really the first time you see jesus be as troubled as yeah. he is because he knows what is coming up yeah yeah the only other time we see him we see him angry when he flips yeah. the tables. Yeah. But we see him cry when Lazarus dies. But yeah. he knows that he's about to bring him back to life. Mm -hmm. um, now, he knows that he's going to come back to life. Mm -hmm. But he also knows that there's going to be excruciating pain. Well, that's the that. thing, right? Like, he knows that he's going to come back. So he knows he's not, like, dying. Yeah. And to stay dead. Like Yeah. But he he knows the amount of pain. Yeah. That the next I don't know, twelve, fourteen hours is yeah. gonna bring upon him. Exactly. The and and the physical pain, the emotional pain, like there's going to be so much pain on him. Yeah. That here you see that that fear and that um I don't know, that grieving and that, yeah. yeah. You can hear Jesus, not even frustration, yeah. but like heartbreak that they don't understand what's actually happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, at this point, I still don't think that they really got that it was. No, and I think, I, I honestly think it's a, a devastation that for them, Yeah. that they're not, understanding what's coming and what yeah. they they are going to emotionally have to endure mm -hmm. um, exactly even when he says um 
stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Not realizing that they need to be in prayer proactively yeah. for what's going to come. Yeah. Um, they weren't just accompanying him. He was asking them to pray just overall. Yeah. Co- try to cover him and themselves and the situation in prayer. Yeah. They didn't. <laughs> no, they kept um, sleeping. To be fair, 3.30 in the morning-ish. Like, yeah. it would have been, is... been middle of the night, like early in the morning. Yeah. And so you can't blame them. No, they, exactly. They also probably just had a big meal. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, so, yeah. Um, and it's a lot of information flying at them. Because it during is. that big meal, like Jesus washed their feet. And during that big meal, there was the, like, it's like one thing after the next. You're going to betray yep. me. You're going to deny me. Like, exactly. I'm going to die and come back to life. And they're like, but like their minds are just like probably going nuts. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense that at 3.30 or whatever time it was yeah. in the morning, their body's reaction is going to be to sleep. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's the, that's the human part. Whereas I yeah. think... Um, the human part of Jesus, I don't know this for sure. This is just thought processes, but the human part of Jesus, probably even if he wanted to, he probably couldn't actually sleep. Yeah, exactly. Because he is in such a place of stress. Yeah. Knowing exactly. what is coming. Exactly. Um, but the disciples didn't know to what extent of anything he was talking about. Yeah, exactly. So then if we flip to Mark 14, starting at verse mm-hmm. 32. Yep. Um, we're still in the garden here. Yeah. Then he came to a place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all these things, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Hmm. Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying these things again. And again, he came back and found them sleeping because they couldn't keep their eyes open. And they did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. Um, so that is very similar. Like, the wording yeah. is very similar. It is. I couldn't imagine being one of those disciples. No. Like, trying to figure out, because I suspect mm-hmm. Jesus was generally a calming friend. Yeah. Like, he was just, like, you know those people that you... They're kind of even keel. Yeah, like, you spend time with, and, like, no matter what's happening in your life, they just, like, even you out. Like, it it just calms you down. Mm -hmm. If you're not having a good day and Jesus walks in, you know that, like, okay, like, nothing weird is about to happen because Jesus is just... I mean... (laughs) Lots of weird things happen. But But like, yes. But like, (laughs) I'm okay. Like, it's like that um, safety and calm. That's my my thought process. I mean, you see it the odd time where it's not. But for the most part, I just feel like he's like a, okay. Yeah. But this is how it is. Like, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, that's part of what made him so attractive. And I don't think we would hear the phenomenons of him getting angry or him getting frustrated or if 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 it it was was a regular thing. So then we're going to flip to Luke 22, starting in verse 39. 
He went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from the prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. So we're going to take Luke here, and we're going to say he's in the 100 section. Yeah. Luke has a different perspective. Yeah, he does. From but it's the same thing. It's, it's just, the same story, same yeah. same point, same but yeah. But here you get more cuz to even just say um as I mean the first real perspective shift is he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond yeah. them. So there you have a, a an unofficial measurement. Yeah. With with the other two, I always envision him going like, you know, far yeah. into like yeah. whatever the garden looked like, like trees around yeah. and stuff. But he still would have been an eye shot, probably. Yeah. yeah, if you're only a stone's throw away. Yeah. You think now? I, who knows how far a stone? Depends on who's throwing the stone. Yeah, but like <laughs> but, it, you know, realistically, you're not going to be exactly like a hundred meters apart. Yeah, exactly. Luke is also the first one to mention an angel. Yep, he is. An angel of the Lord appeared, strengthening yep. him. And yet, even with that strength from an angel of the Lord. He was in anguish, praying mm-hmm. fervently, and he was sweating blood. Yeah. Can you imagine if he didn't have the strength of the Lord on his side? I know. Like, just the amount of stress? Yeah. I know, like, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And did the disciples miss the angel because they were sleeping? Yeah, I know. Like, did they, and did they miss that moment or those moments where, I mean, I don't imagine Jesus was appearing calm, leaning against a rock or whatever as he was praying. If he's that full of anguish, your body trembles. Yeah. Like you're shaking. So I'm like, did they miss out on all of that? Yeah, exactly. When they were asleep. I know the disciples get a lot of flack for this mm-hmm. um, and like this guy you've been following is there trembling and sweating blood yeah and you're sleeping they don't understand no <laughs> right like and that's, that's that's the that's the problem yeah I, part of me is like guys like you have been following him now for three years yeah like just do as he says like yeah. have you not figured that out by now but then part yeah. of me also goes they're also human mm-hmm. yeah and also, think about it, after Jesus dies, do they ever go, oh, and we slept through that? Yeah. Um, and then if you flip to John 18, yeah, he just very briefly touches on the garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, but John expands a lot on Jesus' teaching at the Passover dinner. Right. Um, So then John 18, he just says, after Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Um, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. Um, And we'll stop there for a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's all, that's all John touches on with the Garden of Gethsemane, which I find interesting because he was there. Yeah, exactly. But again, maybe he just didn't see it necessary maybe. To, the, to expand more. 
Um, if we stay in John 18, we're going to kind of, we've talked about the garden. The next part of the garden is terrible and important. Yeah. So if we look at John 18, verse 3. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. So, first of all, it's not the government necessarily. It's the religious leaders. Yeah. It's the church people (laughs) that that helped Judas betray him. Yeah. So that's important. And I think think sometimes we think of them as... Religious leaders acted kind of as a government. Yeah. But but I think we sometimes think of it as people who don't believe in God. Yeah. Don't believe. They don't believe in the scriptures. Yeah. Um, But these are people who wholeheartedly believe that there's a Messiah coming to save them and that Jesus is getting in the way. Yeah. Because there'd be a similar group of people who all along are, who, who who do you think you are saying that you're the son of god yeah and who do you think you are to heal on the sabbath and who do you like those kind you know exactly the people who have been opposing him all along are are these people yeah however they are not necessarily the people who lined the streets with palms five days prior exactly the people who lined the streets were the were the zacchaeuses of the world and yeah the women of the well of the world. Yeah. The people who lined the streets were the people who were buying into his, his teachings. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so then in verse four of John 18, it says, then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, he told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you I am he. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words he'd said. I've not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Um, Again, I get like a little bit teary here. Yeah. Because there's just so much in this. There is. Between these people coming and seeing the, this guy who's been following you for three years mm-hmm. leading them. Yeah. Like at the forefront of the group. Yeah. How heartbreaking is that? I know. Like this guy who just dipped bread yeah. with you six hours ago. Yeah. Is now... Yeah, 100% yeah. against you almost. Like, yeah. um, like, ultimately, Judas chose money over Jesus. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, who is it that you're seeking? Mm-hmm. He already knew. Yeah, he did. But he wanted them to say it. Yeah, exactly. He, he wanted them to know that he was there and he was ready. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting. I don't think I've ever actually noticed before that it says, oh, where is it? Um, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Yeah, I never noticed that until just now either. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, like, oh, 
So you didn't realize maybe you thought yeah. you were, you thought you were going to come in, have a chase, capture someone. Yeah. yeah. Against their will. Yeah. But yet, like. They said you get this level guy. Who's like, hey, I'm right here. Yeah. Here I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just like, again, all of it, the whole thing, it's like, it's a lot to process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Then if we flip in Luke 22, starting at verse 47. While he was still speaking, suddenly a mob came and one of the 12 named Judas was leading them. He came near Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When those around him saw that what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus responded, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, temple police, and the elders who had come from, for him, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal? Every day I was with you in the temple and you never laid a hand on me. But this is your hour in the dominion of darkness. Again, Luke kind of gives us a different perspective. Yeah. We'll flip back to Mark. Yeah. Um, at verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 43. While he was yeah. still speaking... Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. With him was a mob with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. His betrayer had given them a signal. The one I kiss, he said. He's the one. Arrest him. Take him away under guard. So when he came immediately, he went up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. They took hold of him and arrested him. One of those who stood by drew his sword, struck the high priest's servant, and cut his ear off. Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I was among you, teaching in the temple, and you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all deserted him and ran away. Now a certain young man wearing nothing but a linen cloth was following him. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. It's interesting. And, like, I don't understand the point of that one. I know. But it's interesting that that's in there. But it does say a certain young man. So I'm wondering if it's one of the disciples was maybe quietly following. Yeah. Trying to watch from a distance, but not be seen. But know. why was he wearing nothing but a just, linen just garment? Just a linen cloth. Also, I know this is, well, it can't be that minor because a couple, at least two, if not three, Gospels talk about it. But that Peter cuts off God's ear. Yeah, every, so far, every, every Gospel we've read has said it. Was he just cutting out, like, aiming for the ear? Or was he aiming for something else and just got the ear? Right. Or was he just, like... trying flailing trying to to panic fight i know it's interesting and then just to touch on the fact that now in two gospels judas betrayed him with a kiss yeah like like a kiss is an intimate thing i know that like in many cultures a kiss on the cheek is a greeting yes but to me that's still an intimate thing it's not i don't i don't think it's a greeting you do with somebody you don't have respect for exactly like i don't think it's something that you would greet somebody like a brand like a stranger with yeah exactly um let's take this conversation is good but it's long so we're gonna yeah um i'm gonna read from matthew yeah chapter 26 starting at verse 47 and then we'll kind of do an overview of the trial and stuff okay yeah but so matthew 26 Verses starting at verse one. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. A large mob with swords and clubs was with him from the chief priests and the elders of the people. His betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. So immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. That's the third account for that now. Friend, 
Jesus asked him, why have you come? Then they came and took hold of Jesus and arrested him. At that moment, one of those with Jesus reached out his hand and drew his sword. He struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. So that's four. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus told them, put your sword back in its place, because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will provide me here and now with more than 12 legions of angels? How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I used to sit teaching in a temple and you didn't arrest me, but this has happened so that the writings of the prophets would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple things from that. So like, there's a lot of repeated information. Yeah. But I think, and you can correct me. I think this is the first time we actually see him speak to Judas. I think so. And the um, verse 50, what did your version say? It said, friend, Jesus asked him, why have you come? Then they came up, took hold of Jesus and arrested him. So my version says, Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Yeah. I'm like, it's just interesting. And that he still called him friend. And I don't think he was doing it. Is facetious the right word? Facetiously? Yeah, that's that's the word I would have used too. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the same the same feeling as one of the other gospels uh, when he said, Well, who are you here to who are you here to arrest? Yeah. That was a little bit facetious, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this I think was I love you. Yeah. Friend. Yeah. Even though. Yeah. This is what's happening. Exactly. I think that that was an affirmation for, for Judas. Yeah. So that was the garden. That's really heavy. And, and I think, I don't know that it's always super touched on no. around Easter. We get focused on Friday and mm-hmm. then on the Sunday, but I think sometimes we miss in between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Yeah. But if we really want to know what happened to the Savior, which is what the series is called, some of these things are incredibly important to pay attention to. Exactly. There's some depth here that makes the rest of it make more sense. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a piece that helps to tie everything that he has talked with the disciples about. Yeah as well as help tie in the prophecies from the old testament yeah towards the cross still just to kind of gloss over the next little bit just to save some time yeah because this is a long podcast podcast already um so then they arrest them they take them to the sanhedrin that's the religious leaders that's like the high ups of the religious leaders they say he deserves death in Matthew, Matthew says that this is when Peter denies him. Yeah. So some of the other gospels say it's a little bit later in the trial. Mm-hmm. But so then the Sanhedrin hands him over to um, Pilate. Yeah. Who was a governor. So now we're getting mm-hmm. into a little bit more government officials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Pilate says. I can release Jesus or Barabbas. Yeah. Um, On the Passover every year, it was custom to release a prisoner. Right. Barabbas was a murderer. Yeah, he was. Um, And like a notorious murderer. Yeah. Um, And so I think when he said it, he was like, they're gonna really choose Barabbas. Like no, yeah, like they're, they're, no, no, they're, no, they're gonna choose to keep Barabbas in jail. Yeah, type of thing. Like that's yeah. what I meant. Now, interesting side note. Mm-hmm. Um, Barabbas, the name. Yeah. Bar Abba means son of the father. Oh, interesting. So, basically, is saying, should I release the son of the father? like the father yeah 
or the son of the father. <laughs> interesting. It's that just an interesting. interesting like side note. Yeah. In right. Luke, Luke tells us that Jesus goes from the Sanhedrin to Pilate. And then um, Pilate didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So he sent him to Herod. Yeah. Pilate's wife. Yes. Had a dream. Yeah. Pilate's wife. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Yeah. So, and he he respected his wife Mm -hmm. um, and didn't see it fit for Jesus to die. Yeah. Um, My minimal understanding of the law back then would be that blasphemy Mm -hmm. it would have broken religious laws yeah not governmental laws right unlike barabbas yeah who broke religious and governmental right um laws yeah um blasphemy which is what the sanhedrin was accusing him of Mm -hmm. would have just been a religious law broken i i think Right. So I suspect that Pilate was like, I, I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're bringing him on charges that I don't understand. Yeah. Um, or that I have no say of. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah. So then he he hands him over to Herod. Herod kind yeah. of makes a mockery of it, sends him back, and then ultimately, Pilate says you know, do what you need to do to him. But my hands are clean. And he he washes his hands to show that his hand, like ceremonially to show that his hands are clean of Jesus death. Mm -hmm. Um, which I struggle with sometimes because I'm like, I think you took the coward way out. Yeah. Like you took the easy, the easy route to make everybody happy. Yeah. Exactly. Except, obviously, except Jesus and his followers. Yeah. But you made, tried to make the loudest people happy as well as your wife. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and I'm happy that he wanted his, like, that his wife stood up yeah. to him. That yeah. is a bold move. Yeah, it is. It's not something that most wives, uh, women would have the ability to say. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so there was that. Which, if you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ, mm-hmm. it is that whole, all of those scenes is just like a mob, one mob after the next, after the next. Yeah. And poor Jesus is just being drug along to all these different people, waiting yeah. to find out how much pain he was going to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were given permission to flog him which a flogging is like a beating, an intense, yeah. a very intense beating. Normally that would be the punishment in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the soldiers in Mark 15, verse 16, the soldiers mm-hmm. led him away into the palace. That is the governor's residence and called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe and twisted a crown of thorns and put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail King of the Jews. They were hitting him on the head with a stick and spitting on him, getting down on their knees. They were paying him homage. After Mm. they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple robe and put clothes on him. Um, Interesting. So that is kind of the beginning of the abuse that he took, which in and of itself is devastating. Mm Mm-hmm. So in, then in John 19, it says, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And then it talks about the crown of thorns and the purple robe again. And then says, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, here's the man. But they kept demanding that he be crucified. Right. And... So he's now been mocked, he's been flogged, mm-hmm. and now they're demanding a crucifixion. Which is crazy, eh? Yes. And 
again, Pilot doesn't want to do it. So he's now, like we said, he's washed his hands of it. Yeah. And it's up to the Sanhedrin now. Yeah, so exactly. Literally, his blood is on their hands. Mm-hmm. However, there are governmental soldiers who are responsible yeah. for the actual crucifixion. Yeah, because there that's are. Their job. That's that is their job <laughs> to kill yeah. people. Yeah. So what we know about the death, like if we look Matthew twenty seven thirty two, as they were going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon. They forced him to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they gave him wine mixed with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After crucifying him, they divided his clothes by casting lots, Then, which fulfills a prophecy. Then they sat down and were guarding him. Above his head, they put up a charge against him in writing, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. Again, mockery, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then two criminals were crucified with him, one on his right, one on on his left. Those Mm -hmm. who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross in the same way. So throwing insults of things that made them mad about him. Yeah. Things that he said that made them mad, they're now trying to throw back at him. Exactly. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him and said, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusted Mm -hmm. God, let God rescue him now. If he takes pleasure in him, or if he takes pleasure in him, For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, even the criminals who were crucified with him taunted him. And then right after that, it says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When he, or forsake me, why do you forsake me? Is another translation. When some of those standing there he heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Mm-hmm. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a stick and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top yeah. to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were spilt. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after him were there, watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in that section there, too. There is. Um, like, <clears throat> one thing I didn't clue into until the number a few years ago now is that after Jesus died, dead bodies of holy people came out of the tomb i know and you're yeah, like who, who are they yeah and were they just wearing their grave clothes right like, like what is, were they what basically is mummies walking around or yeah, exactly or and which holy people were they yeah but then also the curtain like that's a big thing like that's huge the curtain is might be my favorite part of this whole story Because the symbolism, that curtain was up to put a divide between us and God. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Because only certain people could go past that curtain. And 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 a very small percentage of people had ever been behind that curtain. And it was believed that that's where you met with God. Yeah. And so... Jesus' death meant we all have access to God. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah. That it 
we there's no longer a need to slaughter a lamb. There's yeah. no longer a need to put blood over a doorpost. Yeah. There's no the blood is there. Jesus paid the price yeah. that those lambs would have paid to atone for our sins. Exactly. Which is crazy. It is. Like, like it's a it's a very I don't know, it's huge. Like that I, was a shift in yeah. religious culture. And then if we look at Luke 23 verse 44 it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three because the sun's light failed the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle and jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands i entrust my spirit saying this he breathed his last when the centurion saw what happened he began to glorify god saying this man really was righteous Mm -hmm. all the crowds that had gathered for the spectacle when they saw what had taken place, went home, striking their chests. But all who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Hmm. Um, which, again, is short, but there's a lot in there. Yeah. Um, the fact that, like, this is now the second one that we've read where the centurion who was t- watching over him yeah. had believed. He believed yeah. that God, that Jesus was the son of God. And Luke tells us that he believed that he was righteous. Um, and they tell us specifically that there were women in the crowd. That Yeah. Which is Which a big is true. Thing. It is. Right. And I know today we don't, it's like, yeah. it's not a big deal for women to be at different places and women to be active yeah. in everything every aspect of the world but back then and in that place in that culture that was a yeah no no like yeah exactly exactly um so i just there's so many aspects to the journey to the cross Mm -hmm. that are important to pay attention to yep who believed before and after the cross centurion didn't believe until the earthquake. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. true. Right? But he believed after. The women yeah. believed the whole time they followed along. Yeah, they did. Um, how was Jesus responding the whole way through? It's important to pay attention to that. It is. And to pay attention to the different angles mm-hmm. of Jesus' responses. Yeah. Um, the last... The last part that I'll touch on, and and, because we've already talked about the death, but Mm -hmm. in John, John tells us just before he died that Jesus was standing by the cross, or no, that he was on the cross. Jesus was on the cross, Mm -hmm. and John was standing there with Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clothas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved, standing there, so John, Mm -hmm. he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Hmm. So that raises a few questions for me, but it's probably not for today, but like, Where's the rest of his brothers? I know. Why aren't they taken care of? of yeah. Uber? Yeah. There's a lot of questions in that. Do you ever, as we've been going on today, I'm like, we could have easily made this a two or three partner. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe we should have. <laughs> yeah. But if you're still listening, thank you for still listening. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we just, we want to encourage you. To do this, do it yourself. Yeah, dig in and, and like, or grab a friend. Yeah. And dig in with them. Yeah. Um, and, and I know we focused a lot on the garden um, yeah. because it's important. Uh, but we also want you to focus on, on the cross, yeah. too. Like, to really think about what that aspect um what that sacrifice really means for you. 
Um, and try and make it personal for yourself this Easter. Um, and just, yeah, I don't know. I challenge you to not, if you're younger, if you're a teen or early twenties, like college age, I challenge you not to wait until you're closer to your thirties to really have it hit home. Yeah. Um, a little differently. Um, I, I've been talking at the new youth outreach program. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of kids who don't really have much church experience who've been coming. Um, and we've been having conversations about Easter and what that means to us in the Christian church. And it's interesting because we have kids from no faith. We have kids from like Muslim faiths. We have kids yeah. who go to, go to Catholic school, but don't, Mm-hmm. really have it at home that kind of thing like a whole expanse of yeah religious understanding mm-hmm. um, but one question that has come up the last three weeks is if jesus died on friday why do we call it good yeah i've had that question recently too and and i think that's the question i want to leave you with mm-hmm. why is good friday good for you and if you need to, put your, your name in there. Why is Good Friday good for Alicia? What do you need Jesus to cover for you? What, mm-hmm. What's going on in your life that Jesus' sacrifice can make a difference in? Yeah. Um, really quick, I got saved when I was 13. Yeah. I always believed in God up till then. I went to church. Mm-hmm. We had the conversations. Yeah. I, knew, I knew the Sunday school stuff. Um, but when I was 13, I was at camp yeah. and there was a moment at the, one of the last days, um, when they came in during the song, uh, the wondrous cross, like a hymn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the maintenance guys at camp came in carrying the cross, the uh, that big wooden heavy cross at camp. Yeah. And all of a sudden I went, I think that was for me. Yeah. And it became personal. Mm-hmm. And I realized that Good Friday is called yeah. Good Friday because it's good for me. Yeah. Um, it was awful for Jesus. 100%. And, and we need to recognize that it was awful for Jesus. It was awful for the disciples. It was awful for those, his mom standing yeah. there watching this happen for all who loved him. Yeah but it's called Good Friday for a reason. Yeah, it is. So that's the question I want to leave you with is if Jesus died, why do we call it good? All right. Well, (laughs) we'll end there for now and we'll see you next week. Next week will be shorter. I promise. But it's the exciting part. It's when we get to talk about how Jesus came up from the grave. He arose. (laughs) Um, and and then he, kind of a little bit of what happened after that. Yeah, so, he does not stay dead. Yeah, don't lose us in this long episode because next week it will be shorter, but it's yeah. really exciting. It is. And, and uh, like, spoiler alert, he doesn't stay dead. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, join us next week because we're, yes. we're really excited about that part. We are. All right, Alicia, I will yes. talk to you next week. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye.